0: I am Pendarius, a scholar of Thera. My name is Sorin. I hit people. A tablet I translated could hold the key to stopping a demonic apocalypse at sundown.
1: Oh, this is gonna be fun.
0: Many will try to stop me from unlocking its secrets. Huh. Oh, they'll try. This would be my first adventure with Soren. Let's go! As the avatar of green eyes. Welcome to a scholar's journey.
1: Magic abides by a strict set of rules in Thera. Rules dictated by its god, Preyran, who is the god of magic in the Order Pantheon. To use it... One must have a source, a way of channeling that magic, and a clearly defined purpose. Clerics use their god as their source. They channel this magic through their bodies, and have a clearly defined goal for their actions that falls within their god's guidelines. Likewise, a magi uses a kirin as the source of their magic, which they channel through themselves, and their purpose can be their own. In rare cases, when a cleric needs to operate outside their god's domain, they can contact a being of magic to mimic the power of their god and define their purpose themselves.
0: Soren stood up and stretched his neck which cracked as it readjusted itself. His short black hair was a spiky mess, and his eyes were haggard looking, as if he had not slept in weeks. He was wearing a sleeveless red vest, lined with gold fabric, and his arms were bare, except for a set of metal bracers that covered half the forearms linked to matching half fingerless leather gloves. Below the vest were long, loose-fitting pants that hung to his ankles. Get out. Soren motioned to the door with his chin. Pandarius gave him an aggravatingly obstinate smile. Most people in the central kingdoms tend to reply with the name when they get introduced. I assume you have one. Sorin. Now leave me. I need to be alone. Fine. Have it your way. Pandarius gave Soren a look of mock pain, and then he opened the door to the hall and descended the stairs. As he left, a small piece of paper fell out of his satchel. Sorin watched him leave, and wondered why this young man seemed to intrigue him beyond others. Then, he saw a sight that chilled his blood. Two black-cloaked men with all too familiar silver moon pendants passed by the entryway. Anxious to see whether the men were following Pendarius, Sorin turned from the door and walked to the window. To watch for the young scholar, Pandarius walked out of the inn, eating a biscuit. The two assassins followed him carefully, staying out of sight. Soren frowned as his suspicions were verified. Suddenly, a little pinprick on the back of his neck—that innate sixth sense of a warrior—alerted Soren to another's presence in the room hope you like what you heard.
1: Now come out and show yourself.
0: He turned toward a dark silhouette near the wall. Your senses are as keen as ever, Soren. The assassin separated from the shadows in the doorway and came into view. Soren put his back to the opposite wall, observed the assassin intently and slowly stilled his breath to calm himself. With precise movements that spoke of a warrior's training, Soren readied himself by tensing his muscles while appearing to be completely relaxed. He pivoted on the spot and placed a foot directly in line with the assassin, carefully aiming toward him in case there was a need to act. The man's hood was drawn down, so that Soren could not see his features. The crescent symbol of the Mortalitas clan was plainly evident on his chest, and he quickly pounded his fist against it, in greeting. My lord Soren, I have a message from your brother. Soren narrowed his eyes. I figured you would come sooner or later. What does my bastard brother want with a vagabond like me? The man opened his hands wide. He sent me to extend a greeting to you, my lord, and a warning. Lord Davian humbly bids you to stay out of the events of the day, lest you become a target as well. The assassin gave Soren an overly polite bow. Sorin raised an eyebrow in surprise.
1: Stay out. (laughs) A target. (laughs) Interesting. What does he want with the boy?
0: The assassin gave Sorin an overly polite bow. And Sorin raised an eyebrow in surprise. The boy is in a regrettable situation. Unfortunately, he is- The assassin did not have a chance to finish his sentence. Soren's taut leg muscles snapped him forward and propelled him toward the assassin faster than the man could react. He covered the full distance of the room with a single bound and slammed his palm against his opponent's throat to cut off his breath the assassin immediately began to gasp and choke and his hands flew to his neck for self-preservation but soren did not allow him to breathe throwing two quick punches into the assassin's torso soren lifted the man off the ground with surprising strength that belayed his graceful form he pushed the assassin against a wall and continued to pound into the man's sternum Holding him up in the air. Painful gasps of air escaped the assassin as he was struck at several points. Soren finally stopped pounding, and the assassin began to fall to the floor. But Soren caught him on the shoulder and turned toward the bed. Then he jumped high into the air and let the assassin drop head first. Pile driving him into the bed, supports cracked, and wood splinters flew in every direction. The bed frame went concave, and the man bored into its remains. Soren continued his non-stop onslaught and launched punch after punch into the other man's rib cage, continuing to force the air from his lungs. Never giving him a chance to get back up, Soren finally stood up and shook out his hands from the assault. He cast a cold gaze upon the broken man's form, who choked in pain and flecks of blood lined his lips. I have another message. He sends greetings from beyond the affair." Then the assassin passed out. Sorin's face went red with anger, and an unbidden tear escaped and slid down his cheek. Quickly, he brought his hand up and was able to get his rage under control. The information had come too easily, and that bothered Sorin in passing. As did his brother's painful and infuriating way of communicating with him. Dear there. Soren gazed down on the broken, unconscious body. He remembered the piece of paper that had fallen from the scholar's satchel, and he picked it up. Written on it was an address in the Magic Quarter, 6246 Fenrin Lane. He smirked. The noise of the collapsing bed had drawn attention from outside. A man was banging on the door from outside. Oi!
1: What is going on in there? You better not be breaking me things, and you're gonna pay with more than your purse. Douglas. Oi! You! You're gonna be paying for all of this!
0: His face was flushed red and looked strangely like a tomato. Douglas saw Soren standing on the windowsill and the unconscious assassin in his bed, and he waved the makeshift weapon at the window.
1: Come back, you!
0: Soren winked at the barkeep, jumped out the window, and landed on the ground at a run, disappearing into the crowded city streets. Douglas fumed at this, and stared down at the unconscious assassin.
1: Ah, what do you want?
0: The assassin did not respond, then Douglas walked out, muttering something about the city guard. Assassins stalk the footsteps of Pandarius, but now, a warrior is hot on their heels. But, will he be in time? The journey continues in the next episode of A Scholar's Journey. Voice talents of Eric Erickson Briggle as the narrator and Andaris Grayson, Stephen Daniel Moore as Soren Nuna Mortalitas, Stephen Nagel as the intro narrator, Michael as Douglas Handerstout. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of A Scholar's Journey.